Blog Talk Radio. I am joined by the Director of Outreach at Lives in the Balance, Kim Hopkins-Betts. Kim, how are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. How about yourself? I am doing well. Quite the storm that we had in this part of the world last night. Did you guys get it bad down there in New Hampshire? Um, Just some wind, lots of rain, but... Not much for power power outages that I'm hearing. How about you? We were out. Well, we had about 100,000 people in Maine be out, including Hmm. the home office of Ross Green. Oh, boy. We lived to tell the tale. (laughs) We have quite a few emails lined up for today. But, of course, callers always take top priority on the program. Uh, By the way, for those of you who are listening, uh, it looks like Stella is not joining us today, and Jennifer may not be either. So you are stuck with me and Kim today um, and whatever accumulated wisdom we might have to offer. But the call-in for people who might want to get on the air with us live is 347-994-2981. Press one, and you'll be joined to the call. Um, Kim, any reflections that you want to share with us about life in general um, this morning before we turn our attention to the email? You know, I think um, I've been connecting with family and friends, you know, via phone and Zoom and all that, and, like, the thread that's through everything I'm seeing, a lot lot on social media, too, is that Thanksgiving was, I'm not going to call it, like, a wake-up call, but it definitely was, like, it really hit home. Like, wow, this is continuing, and now it's messing with our holidays if we celebrate Thanksgiving, and, hmm, you know, um, and a lot of people are struggling more than they had been. Um, that's really been a theme, you know, and every time I talk to somebody new, I hear, oh, yeah, now we're quarantining because we came in contact, you know, and quarantining Mm -hmm. with kids is challenging, just went through it myself. Um, So, yeah, the holidays are tough anyway. Holidays are challenging kids, extra tough. Holidays with challenging kids during a pandemic, I don't know what to call that. Holiday during kids with a, during a pandemic, probably exactly what we mm. would call it. Um, mm. And did you find uh, the Thanksgiving holiday to be tougher than usual with kids or more of the same? I know that my experience of the pandemic, I have older children. One of them does live with me. The other is here every once in a while. Um, I think it's different with older kids because they are relatively low maintenance and don't really ask a great deal of me and self-entertain. 
uh, was this Thanksgiving different with it taking place during a pandemic for you? Um, yes. We, I come from a large family. I'm the youngest of seven, and everybody has kids, and some of their kids have kids. Um, so we typically host about 35 to 38 people. <laughs> Um, and this year it was just myself, my husband, and our two kids who are 10, and um, my son will be turning five this weekend. And um, they would have moments, because I tried to make things as special as I could. It's feeling a lot like that Groundhog Day movie, though. Like, I don't, I'm running out of special things. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, and there would be times where they would be fine and happy, and then there would be times where they'd be close to tears because they're not playing with cousins and we did a big family Zoom call, but that, you know, that was 45 minutes and it was different and everything, everything was different. Um, so we tried to make it good. And at the end of the night, they both said that they were, that they had had a nice day. Um, and it's just so hard for them. It's just so hard, you know, cause everything's different. You know, we celebrate Christmas. Um, we broke our rule of no Christmas before Thanksgiving in an effort to engage them and keep them interested in stuff. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, the crafts and the shopping and everything got started early because they're into it. So great, you know, hard. <laughs> it is hard. I think, um, I don't know that I know the Groundhog Day movie. I hear people make reference to it frequently, but um, was that Chevy Chase? Uh, Bill Murray, and he wakes up and every day is the Bill same. Bill Murray, I knew it was one of those old Saturday Night Live people. Um, you know, my reference point is people who, and of course most of them are no longer with us, but people who lived through World War II or the Great Depression, which would have been my grandparents, now deceased. And, you know, they had that, that, that had been in the rearview mirror for them for quite some time. And they described it. Uh, in the way that they did, it was really tough, and times were hard. Um, and then it passed. And hopefully, we'll have the same mentality about this. Not sure that, well, for many people, this probably does feel like the Great Depression. For many people, this has been, it's been a lot harder for some people than for others. So maybe the World War II analogy is apt. Um, Hopefully, in three or four years, we'll look back on this and your kids will look back on this and say, you know what? I went through the pandemic of 2020. This ain't nothing. Right. Yeah. We'll find out. Hard to know how That's we're going to be thinking about it while we're still in it. Shall we turn our attention to the email? Sure. We have some interesting ones today. We always do. Um. Hi there. I listened to the Explosive Child on audiobooks, and I try to implement Plan B proactively. It doesn't work when my child is in his complete meltdown. Editorial comment here. Exactly. He flips his lid during transitions, such as when it's time to stop an activity to go back to school. We've just recently switched back to online learning. He has a hard time getting dressed in the morning and brushing his teeth. Editorial comment, you've made a good start on identifying unsolved problems. This next line is 
and will definitely have an editorial comment either immediately or immediately after I read the whole email. He is very capable of doing it by himself, but constantly says it's too hard. He has a significant speech delay and is in a speech, special speech program in his kinder class. His behavior lately has been very aggressive toward his younger brother. I have two other boys, uh, ages between uh, five years old and 18 months old. He gets so enraged, it is hard to get him out of it. I'll separate him from the room or others, but he will mainly run to hit me, yell or scream in my face, and recently has started spitting in my face. He finds it funny. And I tell him I won't let him hit me or spit on me. Lately, these occurrences seem daily, and I am just at a loss on what to do. He seems to suffer from generalized anxiety just based on what I have seen from him. Any advice on this, I would really appreciate it. I just need some concrete steps on what to do in the moment to lessen the explosion and keep myself and everyone else safe. Um, And here's uh, an addendum. In the midst of my own panic from his meltdown, I forgot to mention some important details. Um, His behavior seemed to start back in March when preschool abruptly ended, and now it's completely snowballed into what I just described. He will say things such as, I don't want to go outside, I want the sickness to go away, or I don't like the masks. When we were in-person school, he enjoyed it, but struggled at drop-offs with me. He would cry and say he didn't want to go to school, but he would always return happy. It seems he is quick to anger on the littlest of things. I give him lots of time for transitions and will use a timer or other ways to remind him. He is otherwise such a sweet and loving child. He is very smart and enjoys math and science and loves to draw. And there we have it from a very concerned mom. Where to jump in? Shall I take a stab at this first? Yeah, yeah, sure. All right. Um, First of all, we always operate on the assumption that meltdowns, as the mom is calling them, are predictable. And if they're predictable, they can be solved proactively. We frequently hear. And so what we frequently say to parents, and the educators that we work with is we're going to get you out of the heat of the moment. Nothing good happens in the heat of the moment. So, Mom, you're asking us for guidance on what to do in the heat of the moment, and the only advice we'll be able to offer there, well, not the only advice, but the standard advice, is defuse, de-escalate, keep everybody safe. That's the standard advice. Your statement that I held off on making an editorial comment about is the part about him being very capable of meeting those expectations that he's having difficulty meeting reliably. Um, He says it's too hard. And here's the deal. We're going to believe him. We're going to believe him. What I would recommend that you do is make a list of all of the expectations that he's having difficulty reliably meeting. If he was capable of reliably meeting those expectations, he would be reliably meeting those expectations because kids do all if they can and because doing well is preferable. So the first thing we need is the list of all of the expectations. We call them unsolved problems, of course. 
all of the expectations your son is having difficulty meeting so that you can start solving those problems proactively. Because our goal is to get you out of the heat of the moment. As you are describing the heat of the moment, it sounds awful. We don't want you to be in the heat of the moment. We want you solving the problems that are causing your son to become upset way before he becomes upset so he doesn't become upset and so you don't get spit on in your face, hit, screamed at. Um, if this is happening daily, that simply tells us that there are probably daily expectations your son is having difficulty meeting. Now, um, then the goal, as long as you've got the explosive child on audio, is to start solving those problems. And now that you've identified them, you'll have to prioritize them. You're not going to be able to solve them all at once. But then there aren't going to be any surprises left because you'll have identified all of the expectations your son is having difficulty reliably meeting. The goal is to solve those problems collaboratively. I cannot wait to find out what you find out from your son about what's hard about uh, ending a specific activity to go back to school, what's hard about getting dressed in the morning, what's hard about brushing his teeth. That's the information that's missing. And we are going to continue missing that information. If we keep thinking, he's very capable of doing it by himself. Just because a kid meets an expectation sometimes does not mean that the kid can meet the expectation reliably. And we need to find out what makes it hard sometimes and not others. Now, the addendum to your email, the part that you wrote in second, seems quite important as well. Um, we're going to go with your observation here. Um, your son, son's difficulties worsened when, he, when preschool ended abruptly. Um, and he might be, I don't know for sure, because I don't like to make quick judgments about small amounts of information. He sounds like a kid who is being affected by the pandemic and by the way his life has changed and by some of the scarier parts of the pandemic and some of the more inconvenient parts of the pandemic, like wearing a mask. Um, and you've told us um, some other really important stuff, and that is that when he is not having difficulty meeting certain expectations, he's a sweet and loving kid, he's smart, loves to draw, loves math and science, sounds like a great kid. And what he needs help with from you is to identify those expectations that he's having trouble meeting. And, and by the way, one of the things we will say about him is that while some kids are lucky in the ways in which they respond to expectations they're having difficulty meeting, whining, pouting, crying, withdrawing, your son is responding in ways that are bigger, or what I sometimes call unlucky, screaming, swearing, hitting, spitting, worse. Um, that's just how he's communicating that he's having difficulty meeting certain expectations. Um, and while I would be the first to agree that those ways of communicating that are scarier and sometimes more dangerous and more offensive, 
they are no different than lucky ways of communicating, all ways of communicating, that a kid is having difficulty meeting certain expectations. Um, that's my guidance. Hope it's helpful. But I'm betting Kim has some ideas too. I do. I have a couple of thoughts. I, I would add to what you were saying about the difficulty meeting the uh, expectations that mom mentioned here, that I know some adults in the midst of the pandemic having difficulty brushing their teeth and getting dressed and going outside and wearing a mask too. Um, I think that it's not super uncommon that many people, adults having difficulty sleeping through the night, right? So I don't think it's uncommon that kids might be displaying those sorts of things too, where they met those expectations before and now it's harder. Um, And the other thing I would mention, in addition to what you said, Dr. Green, about gathering your list of unsolved problems or unmet expectations, super important so that you can proactively plan B, is a plug for plan C, because that will also help what mom's asking about for um, what to do in the moment. Plan C will help reduce the moment from happening, right, because you can't work on everything all at once. So, for example, and I'm not telling you what to do because you will decide when you have a list of your, the unmet expectations what's your priority and what isn't at this time. But, you know, as an example, if you decide that getting dressed in the morning, it's a smaller fish, you've got bigger fish to fry because they lead to aggressive behavior and, and things like that that's extra concerning, then maybe you would not ask them to get dressed in the morning. That would be an example of plan C. Now, some of the unmet expectations would lead to major problems happening and you couldn't just ignore it or not ask, right? So maybe you would have to have what I like to call a Band-Aid plan, a proactive plan C, where you um, maybe in the case of um, whatever's happening between him and younger brother, because that sounded concerning, um, maybe there would be a way that you would talk with your son to come up with sort of a workaround. You're not, you're not working on it. You're just coming up with like a Band-Aid workaround to prevent the escalation from happening. Um, so you find those moments to also be less. And, and, you know, the more then you proactive plan B and do the model and solve problems, the less you'll, have, you'll need plan C. But at the beginning, it sounds like you might need a fair amount of it. Outstanding. Mom, we hope that that guidance was helpful. Um, Thanks for emailing us, and um, good luck with your son. Kim, shall we move on to another? Thanks. This is from a mom. It says, I have a seven-year-old daughter diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder at the age of two. She hits people perhaps one to three times a week and screams and shouts every day. Uh, Editorial comment, now we know what your daughter does when she's having difficulty meeting certain expectations. Those are her behaviors. On a good day, however, when she is determined to be quote-unquote good, she could not be more delightful. She struggles to maintain this under life's many minor to others frustrations. When she lashes out, she sometimes doubles down, but other times wonders if she will ever be good enough. We've reassured her she doesn't have to be perfect, but it is hard for us as parents to be hit and to know that she may hurt others at school or her sister, and she knows we don't like that. 
When looking at the list of lagging skills on the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, she has almost all of them, uh, except that for her age and diagnosis, she is very good at expressing her thoughts, feelings, and concerns when not in a grumpy mood. Her language ability is good to excellent, and she loves reading. I have read through a number of the materials and watched a couple of the videos, but there's a couple of the things I'm not clear on. So here we go. I have three queries. One, when looking at the problem prompts on the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, the key issue that comes up is difficulty moving from one activity to another, particularly if she had a strong plan of what she was to do or if the first activity was more fun. However, doesn't seem to be any particular problem and varies a lot from day to day which one it is. And if she is tired or hungry, her reaction is massively different. It is not possible to ensure she is never tired or hungry. I've tried and keep trying, though. The other big issue is when life doesn't meet her expectations. For example, when things are broken or lost, she has a hatred of things being thrown in the bin, even if they are broken. I don't know how to pick a problem if it has to be very specific, as it is broader than that, and she'll often let the same issue pass by when in a good mood or wanting to be good, but tends to be things like putting down her book to eat breakfast, great one, starting to eat at lunch, great one, getting off the toilet, interesting one, getting out of the bath, great, getting started with dressing, great, getting started on homework, great, but it could be more specific, Keeping going with her homework, if it's hard, that one we need to be more specific. Keeping her focus with dressing, we'll keep that as difficulty getting dressed. Bearing with her sister's constant chattering, pretty good. Waiting to find out if her parents can fix a broken thing. She shouts and screams, which stops us from being able to focus on it. Drinking water, interesting one. Eating, interesting one, would want that to be more specific, and drinking her daily constipation meds, very specific. So as I say, starting activities is the biggest, but varies which specific activity it is. Editorial comment, that just means that you're going to have a long list of unsolved problems. And persisting is also a second level problem, but it varies which one is the hardest depending on energy levels. What would you suggest I do? Now, we're going to go back to that one because there's two other questions this mom wants our help with. Here's number two, then we'll go back. I also have no idea how to suggest solutions or what solutions would work. We've tried so many solutions over the years. We will definitely have a comment on that. And then last question, at what point, if ever, do you address the lagging skills or do you just hope that happens naturally along the way? I feel with her it is unlikely to happen naturally. She's a fast learner once you find a motivating way to teach her something, but she doesn't instinctively get this stuff, uh, which is why we are here. We even had to help her learn to walk, and she literally had no idea that the purpose of language was for communication until she was taught. But once she gets it, she learns very fast, which is why she does well academically, as that is explicitly taught. Many thanks indeed. You thanked us already, I don't no, if you should be thanking us just yet, let's see if we can help this mom out. Kim, do you want to go first? Um, sure. I'm just, I took a few notes because I wanted, I don't have it in front of me, so I want to make sure that I don't for, forget what I wanted to say. Um, I think the first thing that really stood out to me that I just want to mention quickly before we get into question one 
um, was just the, the phrase she's, when she's determined to be good. And um, I just wanted to, um, to, to say that our belief is that she's always determined to be good. She can't always pull it off, but she's always determined to be good. And sometimes she might white knuckle it or there might be factors that make it easier for her to meet expectations, even though that, you know, it happened today, but not tomorrow kind of thing. Um, but just something that stood out to me that I just wanted to highlight. Um, so it sounds like, and as you mentioned, Dr. Green, there's already the beginning of a nice list of unmet expectations. And some of them need to be more specific, like the eating one you mentioned and a few others, but some of them are already good to go. And so um, one thing I would just want to make sure of that this is all captured somewhere because it's so easy to want to address the 20 things that come up in the course of a day um, when we find that that doesn't work very well. So having it all kind of written out, prioritized in order, picking one to start with, and then when you're good at the model, no more than three at a time. Well, those would be separate conversations, though. Um, to kind of move in the direction of trying to get information. Because I noticed in our second question, she's asking about, I don't even know how to suggest solutions. We've tried so many. And my thinking is we're not there yet. Like we don't have the information yet from her perspective to be able to even start thinking about solutions. Um, so, yeah, so I really, I really, you know, and the part where she's worried about, well, how do I pick one if I have to be specific because it can change all the time, they're, just think of them as stand-ins. You know, you're not going to pick something that's a one-off that you've never seen anything like it before, but pick a stand-in, you know. So um, like when you threw, you know, throwing out the broken doll into the bin, you know, yeah, maybe it wasn't a doll before, maybe it was something completely different and not even a toy, maybe it was a shirt. It doesn't really matter because it's a stand-in for um, other similar things that have happened and more importantly, other similar things that are likely to happen again. Um, that's, that's really what you want to focus on. I think a lot of folks get kind of caught up in this like specific and unclumped and, you know, but it might not be the same. No, it might not be the same. And similarly, if you, um, this is just popping up because I was talking to somebody about it recently, but if you were talking about a specific play date with a specific kid and a specific couple of unsolved problems that happened, um, the goal is work on those, even though that kid might never come over again, because there might be other play dates where the similar kinds of unsolved problems occur. Um, so not to get too, too stuck on that. Um, I also wanted to mention, she said she can express her thoughts and language. Sometimes kids who can speak very well don't always have the words they need to explain their perspective or concern about the unsolved problem. So she still might need help with that. Um, sometimes that throws people off like, well, she talks all the time and she speaks so well and she has a great vocabulary. And sometimes kids don't have what they need to express um, the information we're actually after. So you can be a partner in helping her do that by taking some guesses and having her um, rate your guesses, that kind of thing. But, but you also said when she's grumpy, she doesn't do that. And when she's grumpy, we wouldn't really be trying to. Um, so I just wanted to make that point as well. Um, let's see. The other piece I would say would be about question three, and then, Dr. Green, you can go back and fill in anything I might have missed. Um, at what point do you address lagging skills? 
And I would like to hear your opinion on this too. Um, Typically we talk about how, you know, lagging skills are not the focus of the intervention that solving the problems are. And by solving problems, we actually do start to build skills. Um, And it does sort of happen, um, you know, in the background without really our knowledge. We're not allergic to direct skills training. It's just that there's not, a way necessarily to train a lot of the skills that are listed on the LSIP, but they do get addressed through solving um, problems collaboratively and proactively. Um, What do you have to add, Dr. Green? I would say it exactly the same way, and that is that through the process of engaging kids in solving problems collaboratively and proactively, We are modeling and giving them opportunities to practice skills. Um, Now, this mom was telling us that her daughter seems to do better with direct instruction. Um, Your daughter's going to be getting pretty explicit modeling on how to express her concerns because, mom, you're going to be expressing yours too in the Define Adult Concern Step, and your daughter is going to be getting some very explicit modeling on how to listen to another person's concerns and take them into account because your daughter's going to see you doing that in the first step of plan B, the empathy step. And your daughter's going to see what it looks like to generate alternative solutions and uh, evaluate whether those solutions work for both parties and whether they're realistic uh, in the final step of plan B called the invitation. So um, it makes sense to me why the research is telling us it also coincides with our anecdotal experience that merely by solving problems collaboratively and proactively with kids, the skills that they are lacking are enhanced. And so don't worry about the lagging skills. One of our most common expressions is lagging skills are mostly for lenses. They help us stop saying things like attention-seeking, manipulative, coercive, unmotivated, limit-testing, And here's the good news. Uh, You didn't say any of those things in your message to us, so maybe the lagging skills they're intended to do, um, lagging skills are for lenses. Um, Unsolved problems, as you said, Kim, are what we are working on uh, explicitly when we're doing Plan B. So uh, I think, Kim, you did an amazing job of uh, covering the fact that mom already has made a great start on a lot of unsolved problems. Mom, you'll have to prioritize because you're not going to be able to work on everything at once. As Kim said with regard to our last emailer, Plan C is going to be important here, especially in the beginning, because once again, you're not going to be able to solve everything at once. Um, And as Kim also said, it's not your job to come up with solutions. It's your job to facilitate a process in which you and your daughter can come up with solutions together. Um, I'm actually, we we always bet that the kid is going to have good solutions and even ones that take your concerns into account, but we can't think of solutions until we hear from your daughter what's making it hard to meet those various expectations. Um, And so, any solutions you might come up with before having that information from your daughter on each specific unsolved problem 
um, is what we might call uninformed solutions. You want solutions to be informed by what your daughter is telling you about what's making it hard for her to meet a particular expectation. And then my only last thought is that mom is referring fairly often here to mood. And, um, you know, that's something we'd want to get a bead on. In addition to keeping track of the expect, making a list of the expectations your daughter is having difficulty meeting mom, I think you also want to keep track of um, good moods, what you're referring to as good moods and bad moods. Whether the bad moods mostly occur once she's already frustrated or whether her ability to meet expectations and the likelihood of her getting frustrated is greatly increased when she's in a bad mood. I'd want to get a beat on that. And if, if it looks like we're only saying she's in a bad mood, once she's already frustrated about an expectation she's having difficulty meeting, um, I would call that probably bad mood set in motion by frustration. But if it's the reverse, frustration is being set in motion by bad mood, and bad mood seems unrelated to expectations your daughter is having difficulty meeting, that might be a good reason to go beyond uh, plan B and seek out a mental health professional who can evaluate whether your daughter's moods, especially the bad ones, are something that needs a closer look and might require intervention beyond all the good stuff that's going to be going on with plan B. So um, that's the last thing I'd be taking a look at. Um, Mom, we hope all of that information is helpful to you. We wish you the best of luck with your daughter. And um, Kim, any final words on that one? I think we covered all the bases. Would love to hear back okay. though on how it's going. I think we did. All right. Here is another one. We've got 11 minutes left. I'm betting we can do this one justice. Actually, I'm going to the one that looks like it might be shorter. My nine-year-old daughter was recently diagnosed with ADHD. She does well in school, is able to do the third grade schoolwork and behave well. But we started her on the short-acting one milligram of guanfacine. That's a medication that's often used to reduce hyperactivity and poor impulse control because our primary behavioral challenge is at home and in the sibling interactions with her 10-year-old brother. The short-acting pill can be crunched up and eaten with other foods, so she was fine with it. But we tried to move her to the one milligram extended release pill, which can't be crushed. We practiced swallowing pills with Tic Tacs and M&Ms, and she did okay. So we moved her to the one milligram extended release guanfacine that has to be swallowed whole. She was successful for two days, but now refuses to take it because it makes it, her feel like she wants to barf. However, now she has become stressed about taking any medication. We'd like to keep her on it because we felt we noticed some more relaxed behavior at home, but she is now questioning why she needs to take it. 
She personally sees no benefit to it because she already did well in school and she doesn't see any problem with her behavior or attitude before the meds. Third grade doesn't have major demands, but fourth grade does. She also won't acknowledge that she has any issues or challenging behaviors. I told her the medicine can help her make her brain more relaxed and less stressed, and that even if she doesn't notice a difference, we do. But she's still pushing back. Do I have to take it every day? I hate it. It stresses me out. We tried giving her some choice around it. Would you like to take it with honey or chocolate sauce? Are there any videos for kids that explain the benefits of medication in an age-appropriate way? How can we explain to her why we want her to take this foul-tasting medicine every day? Thank you, with five exclamation points. Kim, toss up here. Um, you want to take it? You want me to take it first? You can certainly go first if you'd like. Um, either way. Um, this is an interesting one. It's not that uncommon for us to see that a problem that has to be solved collaboratively and proactively is what some people would call medication compliance. That, of course, is the big word, compliance, because there's the expectation that a kid will take medication without difficulty. And this nine-year-old was taking medication without difficulty until it came time to swallow pills, and that didn't work. And then not only did that not work, she began to have more concerns about taking pills. What seems to be happening here to me is that uh, although the kid was fine in the beginning with the original way of taking guanfacine, the new way of taking guanfacine isn't working, and some additional concerns have arisen. Concerns that a um, video to explain the benefits of medication in an age-appropriate way would not address. A video explaining the benefits of medication in an age-appropriate way would be fine, but it's only going to help your daughter understand your concerns better, mom, but it is not going to help you understand her concerns better. And apparently she thinks that this medication tastes foul. She sees no benefit to it. Um, she doesn't see the point in taking it. Um, she hates it. It stresses her out. So what we have here, and I don't know if you've got that information by trying to solve the problem collaboratively and proactively, but you're getting information anyways. Um, but let's assume that you got that information by happenstance as you were trying to get your daughter to comply with taking the medicine. That's not plan B. That's information that you've uh, obtained um, without actually committing to the process of solving the problem collaboratively and proactively. Now, it's clear you have good reasons for wanting her to take the meds, and the video might give you some more ideas for why it's important to take the meds. But as I've already said, all that does is make your concerns more clear. We need to clarify her concerns even better in the plan B, the empathy step. And that is where you are trying to achieve the clearest possible understanding of what's making it hard for your daughter to meet the expectation in this case 
taking the guanfacine that has to be swallowed. Once we know that, we're ready for the invitation. Uh, the invitation begins with the words, I wonder if there's a way. And generically, what we're wondering if there's a way to do is address the concerns of both parties and come up with a solution that works for both parties. I can't emphasize this point strongly enough. Watching a video about why she should take her meds is not going to address your daughter's concerns nor is it going to give you any more information or clarify what those concerns are. But uh, I have faith that if we really get a good sense of what your daughter's concerns are, she'll be more willing to listen to yours and that you two can work together on coming up with a solution that works for both of you. Kim, what do you think? I think you about covered it. I would just add, because I know some parents get frustrated because they feel like we've already been flexible, we've already tried things like honey and chocolate sauce, and I would say that either they didn't address her concern or they didn't address all her concerns. And so um, when you know more about her perspective on this, you'll be better able to partner with her in the third step on ways that um, have a good shot of working for meeting both her concerns and yours. Great point. Chocolate sauce would address the foul taste. It wouldn't address the other concerns that your daughter seems to be raising related to taking of the meds. Believe it or not, we're going to try in our last three minutes here to do the last email that we have queued up for the day. I think it can be done. Ready? All right. Mm-hmm. This one says, I have listened to a couple of your videos, and in the, in the examples, the kids offer the difficulty, and you are eliminating guesswork. How do you figure out what the difficulty is when your kids don't offer it up, or maybe they don't know why? Where do I start? What questions do I ask them? Where can I get resources to help us figure this out? Um, so that's a quick one. Um, I'm pretty sure that this mom or dad, this mom or dad has a name that could be a mom or dad, is talking about once an unsolved problem has already been introduced to the child and the child is not telling them what's making it hard for the kid to meet that expectation. I think that's what this mom or dad is referring to. You'll probably end up guessing. And there is video in the walking tour for parents on the Lives in the Balance website showing you what guessing or what we might call hypothesis testing or educated guessing might look like um, if your kid doesn't have any idea what's making it hard to meet a particular expectation, it's okay for you to hypothesize, okay for you to guess. But if this mom or dad was referring to the writing of unsolved problems, and I don't think he or she was, but if he or she is, the writing of unsolved problems does not involve the kid. That's purely a caregiver role right out the expectations that a child is having difficulty meeting. Um, and I think that that is the answer to that question. Now, the mom or dad is also asking, how do I figure out the lagging skill when I'm getting very little information from my child? You're the one who's figuring out what the lagging skill is. And as we've already said earlier, lagging skills are for lenses. Lagging skills 
help us understand why your child is responding so maladaptively to life's problems or frustrations. But when you're solving a problem with your child, you're really not focused on figuring out what the lagging skill is. Um, you're just trying to solve the problem. Get your child's concerns on the table. Get your concerns on the table. And together, try to come up with a solution that is both realistic and mutually satisfactory. Kim, if you have anything to add to that, you've got about 20 seconds to do it. I would just say to check out under CPS resources the paperwork section, because about two-thirds or halfway down or so, there's a five-fingers link and to a great graphic about an alternate way to get information that involves the adult talking more as opposed to the kid. There are different ways to get information other than words, and I would keep that in mind. Excellent. Kim, that's going to do it for today. Thanks, as always. All right. We'll be back in 2000. We'll see you in the new year. With another edition of Parenting for Challenging Dialogue.